In today's epistle lesson, Paul writes to the community in Corinth using his metaphor, this metaphor of the body of Christ, hoping to raise awareness, hoping to raise the level of awareness about their participation as members of this collective unit. His point is both to emphasize their role as a part of the collective and also their contributions as individuals. It is an accessible metaphor because all of his listeners were familiar with how a body works. Today, this metaphor shows up in our daily lives most frequently as either a simplified version of teamwork or a watered down ethical teaching without any theological weight behind it. What I hope we can do this morning is look closely at more robust examples that demonstrate the consequences of being the body of Christ and individually members of it. In the recent TV sensation, Ted Lasso, no, I'm not going to stop talking about Ted Lasso, um, viewers are introduced to star player Jamie Tart. He plays striker for the European Soccer Club and is their top scorer. Now, he's also an egomaniac, which makes him insufferable for his teammates. What this show does better than any sports show is fail to demonize the one who thinks he can carry the team alone. The emotional intelligence of the coach and main character, Ted Lasso, is so unusual. He recognizes that nothing he can do or say from the sidelines will bring about the team dynamics he needs on the field. Rather, he has to model both for the insufferable star player and his teammates, what can happen when they act as an interdependent unit. For those who have not seen the show, it's what you want every other show that features a sports team to feel like. Eventually, everyone comes to a greater level of awareness as to what the other has to offer. It's full of vulnerability, humility, and a rare dose of self-awareness. It's a funny and brilliant demonstration of the art of the possible. But from our perspective this morning, it's a perfect metaphor for what it looks like to be the body of Christ and individually members of it. Here's another way to think about this. I have a dear friend who is an alcoholic, but who has been sober for over a decade now. She has two young children and a demanding job, as does her husband. Like every other parent of children I know right now, she is truly in danger of a breakdown. Between inclement weather days and exposures at school, her kids are at home more than they are in daycare. It's an impossible balance to strike under the best of circumstances, and currently it's completely unattainable, and the expectations have not shifted. Part of the key to her sobriety and general well-being is attending meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous on a regular basis. At her breaking point recently, she sat her family down and asked for help. Her mother, father, and brother have all volunteered to watch the kids while she attends her weekly AA meeting. Additionally, her parents are going to modify their exposures so that they can safely help with childcare when daycare is not available. None of this will make the headlines, but what happened is really important to name. A difficult and honest admission of what it takes for one member of the body to flourish and how other members of the body of Christ are essential in that flourishing. This is what it can look like to live with an awareness of our membership in the body of Christ. We are also surrounded by examples of what dismemberment of the body of Christ looks like. 
Faith communities are often one of the most public examples of the dangers of dismemberment. In Austin, there's the old historic Episcopal Church placed atop the highest hill in downtown. There's much about their life and ministry that is truly remarkable, and yet much that is lacking. On the other side of the highway, which bisects the middle of downtown, and is found in many urban locations, there is a younger, smaller church that was founded during the civil rights movement by members of the large downtown parish who left. You don't have to exercise too much imagination to understand what one lacks, the other specifically strives to be. The reality is that these churches need one another, and yet it's the last thing they would ever be willing to admit. The wholeness of the body of Christ rests on their ability to be reconciled and in relationship with one another. I'm picking on these two churches simply because I know them, but we have the same thing here in Arlington, in Alexandria, and any and every other place where there are churches. Whether the literal interpretation of scripture, racism, or sexuality, there's always a wedge that threatens the integrity of the body of Christ. I was on a call earlier this week when a parishioner shared a sensational nugget of wisdom. Arlington is like a sick cat, she said, trying to hide all of the ways we are not well. Now, not being a cat person myself, I learned that cats hide from their owners when they are sick, masking any issue that might need serious attention. Her point was this, at a glance, Arlington is a wealthy, well-educated, thriving community. But if you scratch below the surface, there's not enough childcare, affordable housing, or employment that provides a living wage. We are segregated from an ethnic, socioeconomic, and denominational perspective. The trouble with the Arlington way is that it has deeply damaging consequences and one's we don't seem willing to talk about in broad daylight. Here's the thing. There are consequences to our unwillingness to recognize our membership in the body of Christ. We have to look no further than to Christ on the cross to understand what these consequences look like. For an inclusive and merciful way of being, Jesus received a sword thrust into his side. For his willingness to dine with sinners and tax collectors, a crown of thorns. For his willingness to heal on the Sabbath day, nails in the very hands that performed so many miracles. We know what it looks like to have the literal body of Christ dismembered. The consequences are no less severe for the body of Christ of which we are all a part. Anytime we live as though it is only our individuality that matters, there is a crucifixion of the one whom we say we follow. The part of the passage that has been bouncing around in my heart all week is that our willful denial of membership in the body makes us no less a part of the body. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. We belong because of our baptism. And there's nothing that we can do to get out of that. 
Even when you don't want to see it, we are each walking around connected one to another. The hopefulness of Paul's words this morning remind us of the gift in being the body of Christ. So I want to leave you this morning with a litany for the body of Christ. It's only a few examples of how we might challenge ourselves to think differently about how our parts fit together within the whole of the body. God of reconciliation, we thank you that conservative Christians cannot say to the LGBTQ plus Christians, I have no need of you because this community includes their sons and daughters, sisters and brothers. God of humility, we thank you that the political party who would exile some as deplorable cannot say, I have no need of you because then they become the very thing they have grown to hate. God who heals. We thank you that the anti-vaxxers cannot say to the vaccinated, I have no need of you, because there would be no one left to care for them when their need does arise. God of abundance. We thank you that those with abundant financial resources cannot say to those with fewer resources, I have no need of you, because then there would be no one to collect their trash serve their meals, or nurture their gardens. God of timelessness, we thank you that those who are young cannot say to those who are old, I have no need of you, because their wisdom is the rock upon which we stand. God who made us perfectly in your image, we thank you that those who are neurotypical cannot say to those who are neurodivergent, I have no need of you, because they are our purest teachers. God of wisdom, we thank you that those who are educated cannot say to those who have not been afforded an education, I have no need of you, because without them, we would long for incarnations of humility. God who knows no boundaries, we thank you that those who possess legal status cannot say to those who are in exile and longing for citizenship, I have no need of you because it is only citizenship in the body of Christ that matters. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Amen.